do you have the ability to play audio from from a browser or something? I should. So since it's doing system sounds, you can probably just play it on your your browser and just pick it up, right? Yeah. Okay. So while I'm talking, you can uh, assemble that playlist I was talking about. Okay, so start the stream. Mm-hmm. And stream is started. So I guess, uh, do we actually have somebody in here already? Mm, don't know. Let me double check that I can hear myself. I can. We have somebody by the name of Other Viewer. Huh. Okay, so um, I do have some notes as to what I want to talk about. I guess the first thing is um, we had a friend of ours email us and actually ask what um, what specific artists I was interested in in terms of the Turkish stuff. So there's three artists that I was... Um, I don't, I don't have all of them on loop right now. I only have one song. Uh, I believe it'll be the first song. I'll actually play it during the break because it's, it's hard to figure out what is legally streamable because theoretically speaking, um, Twitch allows streaming for quite a lot of stuff, but it has a process where it mutes it after the fact. Um, that doesn't mean it's okay, but... Um, the if the particular stuff that I'm uh, I'm going to present, I'll try to do it for the break. Would be um, stuff that's recorded acoustic and that isn't like officially published and is a cover of somebody else. And so it's and it's not like an official label thing or anything like that. So I think the first couple will be two or three will be safe to just stream the audio wise. So it shouldn't be a big deal. And if if we learn that it's a big deal, then that's the learning experience. And it's not something that I think we're going to do very regularly. Oh, okay. So, um, wait, so you hmm? want the, mu the, the music you sent over to be played? Well, okay, so you so I, I mentioned the Discord. I gave you a list okay. of the videos, and you will build a playlist. And during one of our breaks, hopefully the first break, you'll just uh, play that playlist. Just making sure that the very first video, just making sure that the order is correct. Okay. And that's and it doesn't have to be video; it can be just audio. Although she's pretty, so they're all pretty. So what am I saying? Um. So that's uh, yeah. Hopefully, that's something you can work on while I'm chatting. Um. One of the the concerns that we had was being prompted for things to talk about. And I mean, you were musing that uh, the internet's a big place and somebody somewhere must have had some random conversation prompt tool out there. And I don't know if you want to desperately look around for, um, for something like that, because that would be kind of hilarious. I actually have this thing where do I have a, there's a concept called a writing prompt. So for aspiring authors and I'm, I'm actually not sure because um, I've listened, cause I've been interested in writing for some time now and I've listened to what 
you know, actual for a job writers do in terms of, of staying sharp, keeping in practice kind of stuff. Um, I've never heard one of them talk about doing random writing prompts. I've, I've only heard about them insisting on reading a lot or on if they're working on content, writing even if they're not in the mood and writing even though a lot of their stuff's going to be thrown away, which is we're, it's still a really um, offensive concept for me. Um, is it Stephen King is the uh, horror writer. He's known for that. He, he insists on writing five pages a day and that man can hammer books out really fast. Like he's, he's shocking and doesn't mean it's any good necessarily, but he's got a lot of winners under his belt, including stuff that's been converted for the big screen that people will recognize, but also for TV shows as well, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, just the idea of writing five pages a day, even though most of that's going to be going to never make it anywhere, not even into a draft. <laughs> just that idea is just, just strange. So the writing prompt idea is very similar to some sort of conversation prompt. A writing prompt idea would be like um, some random uh, reader. So you might have an audience of, of some readers and they would all kind of collaborate and come up with some wacky writing prompt. And it would be, well, tell a story about X. And to prompt a writer to just fulfill that, that wish. And sometimes it's a bit of a, uh, not quite a competition, but you get a whole lot of people trying to use that writing prompt. So you might have a prompt of the day, something like that. And... I had been, uh, because of the nature of the way I write, um, I had been writing with a kind of writing prompt idea in mind because I have, what's the, what's the, man, I made my own terminology and I can't even remember my own stuff. It's like, um, like you have a snowballing canon that you're creating while writing where the previous writing actually becomes a writing prompt for future writing. And it's really obvious, at least to me, when, when I'm doing that. And I think if I describe that particularly well, I could make that obvious for other writers. And I, I once wrote a, I don't, I can't call them short stories because I don't actually necessarily give them good story arcs and lots of characters and stuff like that because a good short story is the foundation of a movie because that's i mean it doesn't turn into that it has to turn into a script and all this sort of stuff but there are some rather popular movies that just started as short stories and so i made a thing i just call it world building and i just went well uh, orange <laughs> and and it just started writing and uh, that's that's uh, a writing prompts notion where you just pick an object in the room you're in and write a story and maybe you can integrate that into the first sentence or maybe that is the primary focus or maybe that's something that's important to one of the characters it's, it's a way of getting nudged into um into the avalanche of the rest of the piece and so the notion of doing a podcast and finding some sort of speaking prompt 
is something that um, I'm capable of going down that that same kind of mindset as long as there is some sort of prompt. So theoretically speaking, if there was a tool that just went random writing prompt, I could probably talk about that thing. So Minion, if you want to take a note for in the future writing prompts, that's it. That phrase will get you thousands of results. So that might be something to pursue as a um, as a tool in our toolkit for future episodes, or maybe for after the break or something like that, if if things peter out. So make a note of that. Um, okay, so for something because I'd actually did write some things between this and the previous uh, show, and it, of all things, okay, so I. I got to ask, I got to ask you, because maybe I'm going mental, but it's been a long time and I've been using the exact same kind of shampoo for like many, many years and it's, it's head and shoulders. And I decided to look at the back label for, for once, because it's been a long time and I've actually read it before and I like following the directions so that, I mean, who better to give you advice on how to use a product than the actual manufacturer. And I like documentation. And so I was reading it and I, there's no longer a reference to, uh, soak time to waiting time and shampoo used to be like, Oh, shampoo, like massage it in and then wait for three minutes or something like that. It was an incredible inconvenience. And I've been acting a certain way with that in mind. Like I've been showering a certain way all these years and I looked at the label and it doesn't have any mention of that anymore. So like, I have to ask you, has this technology changed? Is that not a thing anymore? No idea. I never read those things. I wonder if it's just, if the technology changed, it got improved. Maybe it's my product that changed. Maybe, it maybe that was have, a condition. They might have, added, a faster they might have add, added something that works faster. I guess. I mean, I've always felt bad in the past of just like rubbing it in and then rinsing it out right away and not caring. And, and I've been, uh, being better used to kind of like apply it to my, in my case, my scalp and then, um, showering the rest of me and, and not, and leaving it on my head for as long as possible. But apparently I don't have to do that. So I, I mean, I, that's kind of weird to discover. And maybe I just need to look at other products. Maybe I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I used to use a two-in-one or something weird like that. You know, they have three-in-ones now with like, it's, it's for your head and your body. It's like an anything wash. Um, I'm waiting for it to also become toothpaste as well. So you can like do, do all the stuff in the shower all at the same time. That doesn't seem possible. Eh, teeth, hair, body, whatever, you know, it's all kind of around. It's just, it'll be like, it'll be brought out for men. It'll be like, um, mint flavored, um, shampoo. <laughs> I, there probably are some weird people that would be, uh, into that experiment. Okay. So, so now that that's out of the way. And I actually, that would be something that under other circumstances, we would literally just look up like go to head there's probably a head and shoulders.com or something but um i do want to talk about uh, 
how I'm not sure how to approach this topic because it does get into the into edgy territory. Um, it's okay. So this internet thing has all kind. So has normies on it all over it, and that term, um, the term normie, generally applies to everyday uh, people that don't. I don't even know how to describe it anymore because it's basically everybody. But if, and so it's, it's not really much of a descriptor or an insult or anything like that. It's just like it's, it's mom on Facebook is just normal person. The thing is the internet wasn't made with any of these people either in mind. Um, there's a lot of underlying philosophy that, that has, really deeply influenced where things came from. So there's a kind of a foundation that stuck around and all of these all regular everyday citizens started using this internet thing. But what, what it was before that was, uh, it's not like it was ex like the internet was exclusive or anything. It's just where all the nerds went because they, because like the regular world was not like the nerdy kid gets pushed away from all the cool kid activities, goes off, does their own hobby, like the model railroad or whatever the heck. And that'll be all poo pooed by, by the, the high school students kind of thing. There's some nerd club or other, or other, right. But this internet thing was like that, except it became popular. And, and all those, all those people came here. So they're like extra nerdy corners in the internet that the normal people just keep invading and keep invading and everything gets normified. And there's something like that, that I want to talk about that. That's, it's very similar to that because the, because the internet can't, it does not presently that's being changed. The internet does not presently understand the nature of the human that's interacting with it. Um, it doesn't categorize or, categorize or sort people. It's usually um, it the service a person is using on the internet kind of pretends like it asks like what your age is or something like that. It, it asks for your participation. But there's no way for it to, for any particular site or service or whatever to actually um, confirm whether that person's telling the truth. And the, the, it's not a, it's not like a running joke or anything, but it's like, you know, are you 18 or over? And it's like a little kid can just go, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like me looking at, uh, looking through my Steam games. And there are some games that are, graphic violence because right there are games for all audiences some of them are adult so it'll ask you for your date of birth and even i i wouldn't be lying by giving my date of birth but i go like yeah i was born january 1st 1900 and just like go away let me in you know, but there's no confirmation there and all of the internet is like that where there's there's unless you're brushing up against some really serious financial stuff there is no mechanism in place to actually authorize you until you get into checkmark land like Twitter, 
can send like you if you meet some minimum standard you can provide real world documentation a proof of identity and get some sort of verification thing on there and that's usually necessary for um either like twitter does the blue check mark um and that's considered a, a kind of that is actually kind of a rank because there is a filter that says i don't want to hear anything that non check marks say there's actually a setting in twitter for that so there's like there's another class of citizen on twitter with that and there is for YouTube, for example, if you wanted to get involved with um, their advertising side of things, so if you wanted to monetize your work, there are all kinds of um, requirements to qualify for that. So there is, I think it's, it's you have to have a thousand subscribers, and then I think it's something like a thousand hours of watch time in the last month or 30 days or something like that and i'm not sure how that rolls over and i might be wrong on that and it it doesn't actually work out in reality like that because the you can apply for it and then when they get around to looking at your application because i'm i'm guessing a human is attached to that at some point you it might be three months later right and your situation might change in three months so there are people that have more than 1000 subscribers and they still haven't had any response so they might have had a kind of um really nice um progression for their channel and it just continued going and then youtube just doesn't care until they get around to caring anyhow so i was talking about the 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 verification concept that kind of applies under certain circumstances but generally it, it doesn't and so because it there's no um, verification everything is like flattened down to everyday citizen so access to everyday people and there's nothing wrong with that except everyday people also is including um unsupervised children and a 17 year old is a is not an adult or it's generally speaking like this is kind of a problem too because a lot of this is america and so they will consider 18 a lot of places will end up using that number even though that's not an official number for all places on earth because the internet is all places so you could even say just english english speaking internet but even English speaking internet, that's that number doesn't isn't um, the same everywhere. So in, I, I know in Canada that's that's the number, but it, even in the United States, it might be like when when is adulthood? Because you can get a driver's license, or you can drink, or you can smoke, or some other um, restricted activity might not be that age. So. But so the internet kind of get flattened out to this this one kind of concept and because accessibility just by default also in, also includes the the young um let's let's just say the non-adults uh, everything gets gets pulled down to that like it 
don't consider it an insult, but to that lowest common denominator. So because nothing really gets authorized at all, everything ends up being pulled down from the realm of adulthood or the realm of, of nerd stuff up out to accessibility to how, how young can you get? Cause there are kids that are quite young, but you can imagine a 13 year old is on level playing your playing um, on a level playing field with a 30 year old. And so the services have to tune themselves to be accessible to the 13 year old even if it asks the 13 year old if the 13 year old's an adult and that person will just lie if if that's what gets them into the thing they want to that they want to participate in and because there is this flattening of the internet because there's no verification because there's a huge audience um everything gets pulled down and there's this kind of big tech mommying that happens and it's been infecting everything everywhere. And it, it made me think, um, like, where, how is it possible to have, in the face of all of this, uh, an adult area where adults can be adults? Because adults in the real world act a certain way. And the internet, even though there are adults on the internet interacting with other adults, even though they might all be check marks, they might all be verified as adults. They don't act like adults. They act still in the same arena. Uh, not just being there, all the participants are aware that there are young eyes because moderating oneself down for an audience um, to, to keep the audience pretty broad, like to be youth friendly is the phrase I like doing. It's one thing to bring for all the participants in like a public conversation to bring it down to be youth friendly. But it's another thing when the participants act like non-adults, not necessarily like children, but boy, are there a lot of elements that are just childish. And so you see interactions online that are just dragged down to this you might say something like muck raking, but there's a lot of just, it's, it's basically muck raking. You don't know that term? No, no. Okay. So, so it's pro probably from, from like, um, keeping pigs from, from what would you like hurting pork? What would the term be actually? Um, it is like, like raking through the mud of your um, your animals, essentially, to kind of clean it, smooth it out kind of thing. Um, muck raking is, I'm going to make you look that up because I'm not, I don't understand it well enough to explain it off the top of my head, but it's an old term. Okay. It's probably like an 1800s term. <laughs> Sorry. But there's a lot of, of all right so the action of searching on publicizing scandalous information about famous people in an unhanded i don't think that's what you're looking for no okay well, that's close that happens too mm, a muckraking journalist no well there are a lot of people that that 
So there are character attacks and stuff like that that happen that just don't happen in the adult world. And I don't... Well, we would say that the adult world being real life with adults without the young present, or even with the young present, adults just wouldn't act the way they do like they do now online. And it's kind of a problem. Um, so no, you've got... They would. Hmm? Wait, they like, I mean... It's, it's perfectly possible, but you've got a lot of adults that are acting like complete idiot child, uh, like children, um, especially when they're they're heated with one another. And the argument I wanted to make was it, it wasn't that just that that happens. And if I can talk about you know, um, distance and stuff like that, doing that. Um, but what i did want to mention is what ends up happening is all the services that everybody is using now it, it pulls down for the quote-unquote safety of the lowest common denominator so everybody is becoming subject to rules that really only apply to non-adults to 17 and under or whatever however you want to visualize it to high school students and younger so adults are now being subject to rules and are being forcefully pulled down, moderated down into, um, into almost, I don't know how to explain it, but th there is no quote unquote safe space for adults to be adult because the internet is so open and unverified. So the notion of verification leading directly to adult only areas that hasn't started happening and maybe it won't maybe it won't ever but there are are slowly coming to be more and more adult websites that don't care about the the flash and the the addiction of the current mainstream tech stuff so they don't necessarily care to be as all-inclusive as facebook or as ridiculous as Twitter, they're not Instagram, they're not YouTube, they're, but there's, even with them, they want to have all audiences. Um, are we out of, we're not out of time, are we? No, we got plenty of time, yeah? What? I'm just trying to think of how much time we I have left to rant about this particular topic. Like 30, okay. 26 minutes? That's what I want to hear. I'm losing track of time when I ramble on. So, um, there, the, I have not heard anywhere on the internet that both verifies the audience as well as restricts unverified audience members and considers age. And th there's never been a notion of, um, unless you having. Consider mm -hmm. unless you v physically verified everybody in person. Like, no, well, I mean you can ask for ID and stuff, but again, yeah, you're right. That... It's hard. Unless you're watching a live view, you might as well just photo do a Photoshop of it. Well, I'm I'm sure there are ways to skirt around a lot of these problems, but some of it might might be a combination of. Uh, credit card related stuff so actual money transactions as proof of identity and that might just be good enough but but at least there would be some 
standard um, possible as a as a means of entry, but the that constraint of audience as well as completely excluding everybody all unverified people would allow let's say the terms of service to be moved from protective of children to uh, appropriate for adults because i've never seen terms of service that actually make basic statements of freedoms that adults enjoy in the real world so ideas like um you you shouldn't insult somebody right like no hate mobs or no like those rules don't mean anything to adults in the real world it's there are like there are crimes and that you could make a version of the criminal code for let's call it the the host's country so maybe the united states and just be like well you don't even have to have very many rules in your terms of service or your rules and regulations or your moderation stuff. You can just point at the criminal justice code and just go, you're, a person is held to, to three standards, essentially. Maybe you can argue for another, but one is the legal codes of the hosting country. So if the, if the, corporation that owns the and runs the services in the united states then those laws apply then the equivalent the second one would be the equivalent in the user's country because you can't break your country's laws just because you're using some service in another country and the third would be if you've got your if you're you have certain legal obligations because of your employment, for example. You might be held to certain contractual obligations. If you're doing something at work, then you have your own code of ethics or whatever at, from your employer. Um, and, and there's all kinds of subtleties like certain, like certain people on Twitter have been held accountable as being possible representatives of the, the company that they work for because they have made those employees uh, statements in their Twitter profile. Um, so they might um, be giving personal opinion, but too many, but because of the structure that they've set out, they, they present themselves too much like a representative of their company and the company gets pissed off at things they say. So they have to retract and all. there's been problems. So, so, there's there's three levels of legality essentially that would exist and they don't you don't need to have terms of service that covers any of these things you can just say just flatly say you're subject to those things and you don't have to like the host terms of service doesn't have to say anything other than those like three sentences that describes these three things they don't have to cite all of the laws in every country on earth they don't have to make their own version of stuff and they don't have to somehow craft some internet mommy thing geared towards children because they don't have any so they don't need some special exceptions for a new class of user i've never seen a space on the internet that takes that approach like that um it's because nobody wants to have 
because as you as you said, I mean, how are you going to verify everybody? That's that's a lot of work. You have to charge each person for that that stuff. For a human being has to do that work, so that human being has to get paid for that work. So you would charge each applicant um, to to have them post have their ID processed, etc. Um, so it, it just bothers me that that the internet is now being mommied down into this this waiting pool and the the kind of challenging i don't mean like edgy or anything like that but there are conversations that are like apolitical that are that are difficult like everyday life for adults is difficult by default and too many people enter the online space as kids growing up with the internet becoming adults on the internet thinking that the internet is life and expecting the same youthful comforts to also be presented online and they really are and they never have the the difficult explanations um they can't be put online they're, they kind of have to be hidden in little corners and they're hard to see hard to find they're hard to participate with they're never going to be the popular things so if you're just poking around youtube you're not going to get that stuff as recommended videos you're going to get the broad audience stuff because broad audiences are what advertising gets put on the host gets paid to um, present that those recommendations you know, the more eyeballs on those ads the more money they make they gotta they gotta pay their own bills you don't have to think of them as being greedy youtube prob youtube might be <laughs> youtube might have been turning a profit around about now except youtube's advertising has faltered uh, very very badly for various reasons um that it's the the profitability of youtube is it, it's i don't it's being kept afloat by uh, outside forces f floating it as a service because it's it would be valuable one day <laughs> and i think um youtube would be valuable one day isn't it somewhat it, is well it's not profitable right now so the idea was so youtube so google used to be it's the the head umbrella entity and it purchased youtube and youtube w was running at a loss it, it's horribly unprofitable it still is because it's a it's a terrible idea it's providing free bandwidth a massive amount and it's not charging anybody anything and it doesn't make much money off of advertising and the idea was and they 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 bought it up because it was growing popular because of the piracy of music on it and it cut a bunch of deals over the years to to let that still be kind of okay and it, and it cracked down in bits and pieces while the music industry shifted to itself become hosted on youtube so you're going to see like vivo um channels for all kinds of different artists kind of popping up and but there was a time before that and where you could recognize that there was a value in YouTube, but it was crazy expensive to operate. So Google just pushed in a lot, like because Google the end the search engine and they had some other services at the time. It it was quite profitable, so they had the money to do it. And the idea was they would operate YouTube 
uh, at an incredible loss and that eventually that service would become profitable because of they'd maintain an increased popularity they'd insert advertising you know they etc cetera, etc cetera. and this was actually true they were starting to become profitable even though they were using the the quality of videos was increasing there used to be a 10 minute hard limit on video uploads um the maximum used to be 480p and now it's do you have more than 4K? I know there's 4K. I don't think there's 8K. I uh, hope not. There's but those talks videos are... about it, but yeah. nobody's going to see more are... than 4K. I mean, I, Mo- my eyes most can't people do 4K. won't see more than 4K. <laughs> yeah. So, but those the the physical um, disk space size and bandwidth differences between the the old what what we would consider postage stamp size stuff and now the difference is staggering and even though costs have have gone down they've really dropped for all this stuff you i mean the the prices have gone down but their usage has gone up so i mean they they're still running at a loss or they were for a long time but their advancements in how they do advertising has overcome those problems and it the advertising was threatening to maybe almost get around to paying for all that ridiculous cost and it, they they still wouldn't be making up for all of the expenses for all of the history right from the their original purchase including the purchase price they still haven't paid all that that debt off essentially but the, that curve of profit was just starting to come in. And they got hit by a bunch of problems with advertising um, and a pretty, some pretty deep problems with advertising, namely uh, advertising um, fairly youth-oriented advertisements on um, videos that were... Um, not directly geared towards uh, the youth or the reverse fairly adult advertisements being put on videos that the youth were assumed to be watching and there's a lot of of nonsense there where how how do you define you can't know who who watches any video ever and you can't know who the audience of a video is so they started like doing the steam thing which is hey um do you you the uploader do you think your video is targeted towards minors <laughs> and, and the video author is like well and it like does does a minor appear in the video then it must be targeted towards minors like that's how they decide things and that's not how reality necessarily works um anyhow they the the possibility for YouTube turning a profit went away and it might not recover for a little bit of time. So it's still running at a, an incredible loss. And the advertising stuff has really damaged its... I, like, I don't know why YouTube still exists. I mean, I don't... as a From a purely business perspective, I would have sunk the project. But they held on to it because video... Because it represents something of a monopoly in its particular field and if it can be can get around to being made profitable then it will be worth it in the 
even if it takes a lot a longer run than was expected it will eventually become um it it's like oh i i there is no parallel anymore because every other thing on the internet has some kind of competition. Um, but I, so I can't say something like it would be like owning steam, but steam no longer has a, as much of a foothold on, it's not exclusive really anymore. Um, YouTube thinks, well, whenever somebody thinks about, um, monopolies people don't really quite understand monopolies when they're looking at the internet because theoretically speaking twitter is a monopoly in its environment and youtube is and facebook is and 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 there might be some minor thing that gets touted as being competition quote-unquote competition but it's not like vimeo is competition for youtube it's just its own thing over there. Um, so technically speaking, YouTube running at a loss, eventually because of its, its basic monopolistic um, foothold, it, it, it can set the stage for, it can, like, it can own a, a significant part of a chunk of industry, essentially. And it can, it, it would be worth it for the very long run for them to essentially own the game because nobody else can step in and just become another YouTube. A lot of people have tried and there are actually good alternatives to YouTube that just use fundamentally different technology to overcome problems of, of bandwidth, for example, because you can do some we really weird swarm streaming blockchain-esque oddities that I don't fully understand. Um, but it's possible. It's just not possible with high bandwidth, high quality. It, yeah, so so YouTube is really quite unique in where it is. Um, Vimeo has to charge money. I mean, I've got some stuff on Vimeo. And, um, and so they, ha they have limitations on what they would provide for free. Um, and then you pay for, I think... I think both disk space and bandwidth are concerns of theirs. And I think I think that you would pay, you know, X amount of month a month for to upgrade that package, so to speak. But that's perfectly reasonable. I mean, I have to pay for my hosting for the exact same thing. Um, but Vimeo is quite cheap in terms of its bandwidth. But YouTube's free. I mean, YouTube you can can upload incredibly horrifically large uh, in terms of disk space uh, the original quality of your, of your videos might be incredible and YouTube will just keep the original for forever and provide every single other resolution of your video and stream it all to potentially millions of people all for free it's ridiculous um, so it's basically the only game in town. And if it's the one that can cater towards all the advertising, et cetera, well, then... Aren't they recovering some of the money from ads? Well, actually, then again, it's not, a, it's, not, it's not enough, but it's a bit. Well, yeah. But so the, the question is whether or not they're actually turning a profit yet. Again, like, 
So because they, they got hit by a bunch of advertisers pulling out because of the problem of the inappropriate matching of advertising and target audiences to, to the content of the videos. And so a lot of artificial intelligence analysis of videos is, is being done. And there's, there are attempts to, to analyze entire channels, to ask the authors of the videos, to, to try to match things together a little bit better. And it's a, it's an absolute disaster because the, the first problem, well, the first problem that happened is there are probably unsupervised many, who knows how many, right? Cause we, we don't have that information cause YouTube does not share, but there are uncountable numbers of probably unsupervised kids who make, who produce content. Um, and again, uh, unaudited by their parents or by any adult who produce content and the, the, there are actual legal changes in the United States that put pressure on some things. And YouTube's response was to have an algorithm study videos and lock down videos that are produced by the youth, all youth supervised or not, and remove the, uh, the ability for them to be commented on or voted on or anything. And a lot of the, this is, I mean, this is suicidal for YouTube. Not like they have a choice, but it's suicidal because all these kids, they, they want community and validation from making videos. And there used to be response videos as a thing. And that's not a thing anymore. Hasn't been a thing for a long time. And so there's no real conversation. Almost. That was a bit over a decade, I think. Yeah, it's been a long time. Well, decade and, and a half or so, I think. Actually, now they think about it. And, I mean, there are reasons for removing it. There, there are invalid reasons, but whatever. And so that that isn't a thing. So they're, it's not like they're losing that. They're not. But they, there are still like uh, tags, not like the the comma separated tags list with text. I mean, there's a concept of tag in a video where you tag a couple of friends, which is you, you do a thing, you perform an act, you video it, and then you tag a few friends, which is like, Hey, I want you to make a video on this topic too. And, and so they would like chain out to tag one another and talk in that kind of way. And now they can't quite communicate like that anymore. Cause YouTube removed the ability to even, contact the author of a channel it's just the the feature was removed so the author of the channel has to provide like their social media links or their email in their about page uh, there's no communications forms within youtube anymore so you can't do that um and these these youths can't comment on one another's videos so they're just kind of like locked down and uh, that same sort of state exists for a whole lot of other videos, depending on if a person is logged in or not, not because they're flagged as, because there's adult, like you must be logged in to see this lingerie ad or whatever. 
right? Because that's adult. That exists as a class of stuff where you have to go, yes, I opt in to see adult material by and you log. There's like people that watch on uh, watch YouTube on like uh, a TV when they're not logged in. They'll never see certain content. They can't interact with certain content. Um, they just won't be. They they will never be recommended a, a certain classes of video. So things are a little bit a little bit wacky. But your comment was on um, whether or not YouTube is kind of starting to maybe almost turn a profit with advertising. I mean, maybe they are again. They they certainly were really damaged by advertisers pulling out and be, and for legal changes. Um, they are. They're a gigantic target because they're also an, an effective monopoly on whatever the heck you want to call YouTube. Um, and so a lot of, of eyeballs have been on YouTube. They've got a big target on their back. And it's, it's a bit of a shame that, that things have been eroded. But again, my, there's no equivalent of, of YouTube where you don't have all these ridiculous uh, constraints anymore where adults can just like where you have conversation that's ridiculous and unmoderated um where they're not being beaten down by weird terms of services that that are interpreted vaguely and and all this kind of um so i've got a it is an oppressive um environment to step from like step away from coffee shop banter or or like a park bench conversation into an online space when that online space is acting as though your random entities having a conversation in like a, a grade school playground and it, it mutates all of the conversation in certain ways where, where perfectly normal adults end up becoming uh, like children in, at recess. Just, and the, the value, the quality of the experiences um, is just, just off. It's just wrong. It's not... It's not even like that. There's some really weird, specific culture that has started um, coming out of nowhere, out of the internet, especially over the last, I mean, you could say five years, but I've seen it happening. I mean, I was there since before this internet thing was popular. So I've seen this erosion, like from day one and technically speaking i'm one of the people that was an outsider that came in that started changing things right so um conversation went from like live text chatting through open channels to mailing lists to forums to now we do conversation in, in podcast and audio form and in video form and i was there as part of the slow transformation um and the the problem is this new stuff has no it mm, yeah it's 
I think it's a problem of exclusivity. Um, anyhow, so this does this is our break coming up. Yeah, just roughly perfect. Roughly. Okay, so um, do you have the ability to play the audio or optionally the video of? I can play the, the audio. The video, I'd have to do a bunch of things in order for it to be focused yeah. on it. So no. Okay, so like pressing F11, <laughs> mm. but yeah, so that's something you can practice for for next time. So play the audio and let's. And we're back. Where I'm back. Don't know about him. Maybe still muted. <laughs> Just making sure that I mute the uh, the stream. So yeah, we'll have to figure out that playlist. Um, I wish I could pronounce her name, but I can't. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, what language is That's Turkish. Nope, don't know Turkish. You don't? You can learn Turkish. Yeah. If I had girls as pretty as those, I'd learn Turkish. There's girls pretty in any. There's there's oh. girls pretty in any language. Yeah, well, okay, it's like it's the nature of people or something. Um, it's actually, it's it's strange because I learned a little bit of Swedish because one girl was really pretty and I learned a bit of French because one girl was pretty. It's like, it's a motivator for me. It's not like I can learn 100% of the language. Um, but, but I mean, I, I know how to, it's strange. It's, it's strange. I don't learn phrases or anything like it falls out of my head after a little while, but I learned some of the, like, for example, some of the, the Turkish stuff, I'll just put on loop and listen for you know, half hour easy. Only and half an hour? It's, it, well, half an hour every day for months, but yeah, yeah. I could put something um, on loop and drown it out. The thing is, because it's in a different language, it's it's a combination of being really alluring to listen to, and really hard to mentally play like uh, sing along to kind of thing. So a piece of my brain is constantly being pulled to it. So it's good for just kind of like random. Uh, well, the version of zazen meditation walking meditation um and having a piece of the mind uh, half challenged lets the rest of the mind go and do whatever the heck and i need that for my for my brain to have a certain kind of mental state if i'm gonna go and ponder over other things it being a foreign language is is rather weird because i'd like to have the lyrics like memorized in my head so that when I'm paying attention, I can kind of like sing along in my head, so to speak. But it just doesn't happen for so much of it. It's very strange. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, but it's nice. I mean, I do this with a lot of different, with a lot of different foreign language music. And again, I don't have enough, enough. Well, there's a lot, the world, there's a lot in the world. So yeah, it's, there's a, a bubble that English speakers end up being trapped in for a lot of things. So, for example, that's just music. Movies is another one. You have, as an English speaker, the quote-unquote all of the good movies are in English, right? But that's also because we don't get any of the 
none of none of the other stuff like the rest of the world there's a lot in the rest of the world none of that um none of that ever gets played in our theaters for example none of that most, makes it here well most of it barely gets played there was one good there was one good uh, korean film parasite that got played here recently yeah. that i have i've heard about it. i haven't seen seen it yet yeah well it's, i mean that exactly so there might be some stuff sometimes once you get into those sort of snooty moviegoers who who they think more broadly than the english constraints they start talking about well and i've collected some of these right and you go you go and it's i mean it's it's really hard if you're trying to buy a dvd overseas in a different language i think life gets a little complicated but there are you have to imagine that if somebody somewhere curates a list of some topic of movies and they mention something that's in a foreign language, it's probably good, right? It's probably good or very good. Maybe it's like best in class from that country, from that language, from the era. Um, and it it's very much like yesterday or last show when I was talking about the the equivalent in music with the the taylor swift equivalent well there's something like that for movies but movies you can't you, you can have a kind of pop music version for movies uh pop pop movie stuff but that tends to not float overseas over into different languages um maybe it'll get dubbed uh, if it's like uh it's like Japanese animations will do that kind of thing. But the vast majority of, of actual serious live action people movies, if it's just bubblegum nonsense, like the filler garbage, it might it might make a it makes people a fine living. And it's it's art and it's serious movies, but it's not of the caliber that would float over into English, even in those the, those lists of stuff. Right. It, so the stuff that does float over tends to be quite the cream of the crop. And some of it's just really weird. So, for example, I'm really big into science fiction-y stuff. And if you, if you want to get into science fiction and really broaden things, you start getting into, like, Soviet-era science fiction stuff. So it's like 19... 80s um so you have to imagine that gritty level of technology but it's it's in the soviet union or it's in like poland or something like that from that era and so it's got a, an utterly alien perspective and a, a lot of movies in the era kind of have to sneak around some of the rules some of the some of the problems the social problems in producing art and so they tend to do some really interesting sneaky stuff that makes it um, a fun watch an interesting watch after the fact especially if you know some of the uh, political environment that was going on at the time and so there is quite a lot of really quite fascinating science fiction in particular because technology was a really um, big uh, interest in at that time in those places and the same is true if you want to go through like 
um, get good romance movies or something like that in another language. I've got like German is a great language to get a couple of some really nice dramas and romance and stuff like that. But knowing knowing their names, knowing the titles, finding lists that include stuff like this, it's actually quite quite challenging unless you go after it very directly and you you get break out your translators. Now that we have that kind of thing, so remember back in the day we didn't have that sort sort of stuff. Um, but now you can Google Translate or the equivalent, and you can go after like the top 100 movies of all time in and pick your language. Well, and you can. Then generally they're translated for you? Well, if you're using an online translator, then. And, and that will at least give you some of the titles, and you can kind of. You can kind of poke around, get the original versions, get the titles, get the dates figure out who the the popular actors are for whatever the heck and that's not quite the same as stuff that ends up being curated by the experts in english language movies who will say things like well if you're really into science fiction you probably ought to check out this there's uh oh man it was a polish movie you and i i made you watch it um the Polish movie where a couple of guys get a couple of average guys get um, get put in cryo and wake up hundreds oh. of years in the future. Um, it's called Sex Mission. It, it's all one word, but it is a play on, and that's I, I believe that's the word that's the title in Polish, and it's a play on the fact that they're basically the only men, and and it's a really. Uh, really hairy man chested kind of movie so it's 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 weird and it's funny and it's polish and it's from that era so it's just it's all manner of odd so it it's one that's one of the movies that wouldn't make it in a top list in poland but it makes it out for english speakers for a particular class of movie because it's it's so interesting and there's a lot of stuff like that that's the stuff you want if you're looking for foreign language um, movies you want curated by english english language specialists because it might just be obscure failures in those countries at those times Um, but here it will be it wouldn't be the equivalent of a cult classic because it's like technically speaking the original evil dead was a cult classic but it it had additional movies made because of that um but if i wanted to there there, i've got an interesting collection of stuff so if you ever look at the criterion collection i've got a chunk of that stuff um i have a habit that when i get something i'll get the the most extra special special edition uh, version of uh of a, in this case dvds I, I stopped collecting by the time blu-rays came out and um so for that at least for the special edition stuff and so i've got like i'm trying to think of the movie called naked and it's it's really obscure and really challenging to watch i probably should watch it again um, it do, does involve some nudity. Um, it is not. It is not sexual. Not really. 
Um, anyhow, getting stuff, there's a difference between cult classics in English and the imported, highly recommended, curated for a really, really niche audience stuff that you get. So um, it's a bit of a shame that it's difficult to find foreign language stuff because there must be really good stuff out there. Um, one thing to really keep an eye on is because I think um, I, I maintain that there was a writer strike in the United States and I don't know any of the details, but I do remember that the quality of all writing seems to just go away after that. And movies just started being remakes and they started being garbage. Um, and the original universe stuff, like original intellectual property stuff uh, started, it's now a trickle. And so you get a lot of, of remakes. And one thing to pay attention to is if you, if you, if there's a movie out there and you learn that it is a remake of a foreign language movie, go and look at the foreign language one. So for example, um, yeah, I don't recommend you watch this because it's a very difficult watch, but there's one movie called the girl with the dragon tattoo and it's an adult movie. So it, you have to be more than just a person that's over 17 to watch it. You need to have an adult mind to deal with it because it's a challenging movie. Um, it is a remake of a foreign language film. I can't remember what language it is. It's like, I don't think it's Swedish. It might be. It's in that general area. And you'll actually recognize one of the actors in it as being like the professor dude in uh, like the Thor series of movies. And I can't remember his name. Don't ask me. Um, but he's in it. And it is uh, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. I think that's the correct movie. Anyhow, there are, there, there are some really difficult movies and they get remade into adequate English language movies. And you might never know that they're a remake. So um, the the best example I have that, that I can recommend without hurting your brain is whew, Nikita. Uh, the, it would, it's called uh, La Femme Nikita. Um, it is a, it was originally French. Well, obviously, well, okay. Not obviously if you don't know French. So, um, La Femme Nikita did end up being remade in English. It even got a TV series. Um, neither are particularly good. The original in French is, is, is something else. And if you like gritty semi-spy movie like it, it i don't even know how to describe it. it it really is in a in a class all its own and there are there's movie after movie after movie and if you you need to go and find out where a movie comes from especially if it's really hyped if it's really big budget and as soon as you learn that it's a it's a remake of something foreign it doesn't mean anything about how good the English version is going to be because it's often just, uh, it's trash. It could be trash for various reasons. Who knows? It could be amazing. It could be better. 
Uh, I am far too frequently disappointed compared to the the quote-unquote lower-budget foreign-language version. Here's an outlier, sort of. Um, have you heard of the TV show called Suits? Yes, actually. It's pretty good. So that was a copy-based... That was based on... A sh same name based on something that was done that was done in Korea. They changed really? the aspects. Yeah, it's a copy from Korea. So it's just kind of carried over. Yeah, it's Americanized essentially. That, that might actually be worth watching. Um, I I can't say that I'm a fan of Korean stuff, particularly because their music has just poisoned the well. What? Um, but I do have some. So poisoning the well. It's, I'll explain that after. How did it poison uh, the well? Is what I'm saying. Uh, Korean music. Korean, Korean music is pretty awful. <laughs> Just pop music. K-pop is awful. And so, oh, watching lovely. a lot of foreign language media and the language ends up being uh, abrasive, unnecessarily so. So it just negatively biases me. Um, but I do have at least one, maybe more than one, really hard science fiction-y uh, stuff out of Korea. Oh, man, it's so good. It's so good. Um, so futuristic, science fiction-y. I know one is, uh, it's a cop movie. It's a future cop movie. It's, you know, it's the old um, androids going bad cop movie kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's rather spectacular because it properly presents how a, a modified, um, how a modified robot type thing can how dangerous one of those can be like a militarized cyborg type thing how properly dangerous one of those can be um so it was it was a beautifully done movie and there's another one that's a romance um i'm not afraid of romances but it's a science fiction romance so that's what made me get it um and it is it is much the same um, I don't think those are the same movie. And no, I can't remember the titles. And yes, I could probably check my database of movies and see see if I can find it. Let's not. I probably that seems could like find it pretty quick. Your database, your huge database. Yes, of thousands and thousands of things. Um, yeah, I probably have a listing of just Korean language movies, even if it's two things. Um, but, but but there's stuff that's out there um i guess the one the one strange thing to think about is japanese language stuff that that gets out because there's a lot of well first off there's a lot that japanese makes and there's a lot that the english do we can we call it the anglosphere that tends to be the non-french speaking in canada and we have anglophone which is like the the English-speaking people that live in Quebec, which is our dominantly French-speaking province. So the the Anglosphere is not the correct term to use for the rest of the world in English-speaking. Um, but the the English-speaking world has a very heavy introduction to uh, Japanese, both Japanese language originals and remakes of stuff from Japan. Um, and a lot of that 
is like adapted from some comic into a show or a movie or both and then adapted over here into another movie and we tend to not even know if if it came if that's how how it came so we might know that it's a remake of a movie or and we might never know that it's from some manga or something um but there's a lot of absolutely astonishing um, japanese stuff specifically science fiction because i mean it the, their entire society their civilization is became a futurism focused and a lot of high tech and a lot of imagination comes straight out of japan and a lot of the art is very heavily focused on um, forward-facing stuff so they've got a lot of stuff that deals with robots or modified humans or and a lot of stuff in the future and a lot of it is very very gritty because there's some there's a lot of influence that you can feel on the the devastation of world war ii um and so there's a lot of ruined world stuff that i'm also interested in that that exists in japanese stuff so you'll get a lot of great movies like akira is probably the first real introduction that a lot of people had to japanese stuff um i think the first wildly popular one was ghost in the shell which i recommend ghost in the shell 2 kind of sucked um ghost in the shell and movies, akira. Not live action uh there's a live action version, right? And there was a live action English version of Ghost in the Shell recently with what's her face, Pretty Girl, yeah. uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. It wasn't bad. Uh, I wish I didn't hear, hear the controversies over it, but yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, I know nothing. Of, I I heard bits, but I don't know anything. I stopped. I didn't care. It all that did was remind me that the movie existed, so I went and, <laughs> went and saw it, and. Uh, you know, I did. I do wish it was better. I wish it was better. It did not feel right, um, and maybe that's because the the original was that. That's one of the beauties of animation is you can accomplish things in animation that are literally impossible in reality, and even with computer generated stuff, it just becomes. It's still expensive to do a lot of shots in um, in computer generated stuff. Um, so certain things still aren't done, but some absolutely preposterous was stuff was done in the actual original cartoon because that was still frame by frame drawn. And there's some scenes in there that were still, that were done like that. And it's just crazy, the, the level of quality that's there. Um, so, so yeah, there's... And most recently, a lot of people are getting more, uh, more familiar with some of the more. It's not exactly drama stuff, but it's like the fantasy version of Japanese uh, mythology. So, like Princess Mononoke is one of the one of my favorites, as is uh, Spirited Away, and it goes on and on. So, the the English speaking world has quite a lot of exposure to the raw version in Japanese of of actual films that made it big in Japan and made it big outside of Japan without having to filter through the the curated little niche sphere 
without having to go through those those topical experts they just made it out here rather large and and that's that's rather interesting because that's just not a thing for anywhere else really um there's for canada there's there's an, a tiny smattering of french but that's extremely rare um so yeah um wow okay so I'm not sure if we have a full-length show that we're capable of or not. Um, you were saying we might have to cut it short. Mm, you don't know how true that is? Maybe, but... Wait, you just want maybe, to end it off there? No, no, I don't want to end it there. I do have some other stuff I want to talk about. I just want to double-check. Um, okay, so... I'm going to... I... I Okay, so the the corner store down the street had for some reason has this incredible deal on granola bars of all things, and okay. peanuts don't really agree with me, but they have some really nice the like dark chocolate ones. So I I just buy a lot of them. I've been eating a lot of it, and I swear I've gained weight over the last month or so. Um, I got got a scale and weighed myself. I'm I'm like way overweight now, and it's not like it's it's just gut it's just in my gut because a lot of a lot of guys that get you know in middle age we get dad bod which is everything else can be in, can be great but our uh, on the inside of on the the inside underneath our muscle is where we put fat and specifically around our belly so we get what's called dad bod so I got that totally going on now. That's actually quite recently disturbing me. And, uh, and I think it's directly related to me eating so many. Because, I mean, ch uh, peanuts are really, really high calorie. And the peanut oil is really brutal too. Plus the all the sugar that gets paired with chocolate. And these were not, these were meant to be tasty. They weren't meant to, to be, because some, some granola bars get advertised as being healthy for in one way or another these didn't these weren't even trying and they were tasty man they were so good i was eating them like chips and like uh, anything you get anything that you get your hands yeah. on basically yeah if, if it's good if it's good i'll take it yeah um and so i'm i'm thinking more and more about um a lifestyle change What's interesting is I actually started, I, I was interested in that, that angle of self-improvement, like the physical self-improvement, let's call it vaguely, um, starting like 2001, probably. Um, and so I took a bunch of notes through to 2005-ish, maybe as, as late as 2007, and so I have actual physical notes, well, virtual notes. I have text files of notes of an actual workout routine as though my past self created a set of instructions for my current self to go through to actually get myself back in shape. It's very strange. So I haven't, so it's like the diarying concept that I've, that I've got, right? So where you take notes and then you read them later, you actually read them later. And so I've got, 
I've, and it's a really, it's not like anything else you'll ever find online or from any professional or anything. Um, the series of, of programs that I created that, that um, actually go through all kinds of different stuff to know and to do. And it's like, I'm, I was going through my notes the other day. I'm looking at this thing again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's my past self, like message in a bottle from the past, from me, for me. So it's like, well, I guess I have, I guess that has to be my life soon. Really weird stuff. Like of all, of all things, it talks about things like sleep and about mental state and about, oh, it's, is nice. So I think I'm going to pursue that stuff. And I've always wondered, um, I had been thinking of just tidying that up and just publishing it, but I'm wondering if I should tidy that up and create a video series on it while I'm going through it and actually make that a thing because it, it's, it doesn't, it isn't one of these before and after this is me on a, a keto diet. 1200 calories a day for six months it's not nothing like that where you'd get the side by side picture with with slouchy fat person and and whipped next person however many years later it's not nothing like that it would be the actual full program and philosophy the methodology and the actual exercises video after video after video i'm thinking of doing that but i'm but it's one thing because i've got a um series of so i have a way of getting over shyness uh, being on camera so for somebody that who's highly introverted and shy who wants to do make videos on youtube for example um, i have a system for getting over that and it's just a leveraging a, a distance thing which is something i wanted to talk about earlier about how people act differently online because of of distance like you wouldn't talk face to face the way that you would talk online um even if you are aware that you are a different person you still things are are just wrong and some people just get polluted and maybe that's their only kind of socialization is this distance online in person you you'd get socked for for talking in certain ways it's it's or there would at least be the implicit threat and that would be enough to to make a person polite and there's other problems that that minimize that threat and also make people more hostile than they ought to be more disrespectful let's say um and there's a version of that if you wanted to make videos for yourself online where you just delay your video by a certain amount of time and don't read comments for example and a, a person who's shy won't get the immediate feedback and will become distant because a video when it becomes when it schedules to be released uh for each day a video that appears online that they can watch they can watch themselves before they confirm that it should go live and then but the thing is you're watching a message in a bottle from a version of you that doesn't exist right it's it's from the past it's some other it's a person that you used to be but and in the term in terms of a workout it's it's weird because 
if I were to work out and for example, I'd be shy about taking my shirt off, let's say. And, but if I were to do that, have my shirt off and have fat old me doing push-ups and struggling, right? And if I were to do that and, and video it, I wouldn't want to show that live because like that's embarrassing, right? It's, the entire thing is an embarrassment, the, the flaw, the, the, the failure. But if I were to video that and not do anything with it, and then in six months review it and compare that to what I am now, the success that I ha I've had in between, the obvious success would make it, um, would distance me from the embarrassment because that's not me like that's some other world version that's a time capsule that's that's a portal to somebody that does not exist anymore and i can put that up and not be embarrassed because i've already i've won i've beat that i'm i'm somebody else now and just like being shy about putting your your mug on video and putting that up, if you delay it by a certain amount of time, you improved since then. And there, there's a kind of detachment that lets you recognize that you are better than whatever the heck that is. And you become very thick skinned to commentary on it. And people that get commentary to stuff that they made yesterday can, it can be very painful. Uh, and again, this is meant for a certain kind of person who's, who's very shy, uh, who's risk averse, etc. And the equivalent of the workout thing might be if I force a schedule a certain way, I will for every day know I will be threatened by the release of a video. And if I don't improve by then, I will definitely be embarrassed. So that future, even though I could change my mind, just go, no, no, I'm not doing this anymore and not release anything. But there is a challenge there where the harder I work is the more likely I am to release that old version of stuff because I, I will have improved over that time. So there's, a, there's a, an idea that I've had in there about talking about this this kind of self-improvement stuff because in in the early 2000s i was i can't even say that i was really big into it but it i took a lot of notes about the stuff that i was researching the stuff that i was experiencing um you know just people i was paying attention to with stuff i was doing and it seems very appropriate now that like I'm getting into my middle age, settling into my dad bod and I probably shouldn't. And I've got a good opportunity. I've got some time and it's not like you need tools. I don't need to go to a gym. Uh, I don't think anybody should ever go to a gym for any reason, unless you're there to socialize, I guess. And some people go to the gym to show themselves off. I think it's an ego thing. Uh, I went to the gym and I actually had a tour from somebody and tried all the machines and I could only find, I, I have a flag in my, in my head that said that there were only two machines 
that did something that I couldn't do with body weight alone, but I didn't already know how. Um, and so there's, there's basically no point in a gym. And in fact, it's, it's a disincentive to go to a gym for a lot of people because of the embarrassment thing, because you're there in real time showing your failure and the, and being able to do it from home and, um, oh, I hear people at my door. We might have to end it. Just I might have people. I'm going to go deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm hearing the door knocking. I'm hearing the door knocking a lot. Okay. So I'm going to keep talking while he's away dealing with company. Um, so, so yeah, the dad bod thing is, it's, it's interesting. So, so with men, because they put weight on underneath the muscle, it's possible for us to have moderate definition of the musculature that's still visible while there's like a, a, a belly. So you might say something like beer gut, right? So you got, it, it is, it's an actual thing where the musculature, it, uh, it exists and it's firm and it's capable, but it's on the outside of uh, a fat strangling intestinal area. And so everything else could be pretty good. And until a man gets uh, to some certain point, and it's going to be different for everybody, um, the fat doesn't really start accumulating on the, uh, on the outside of the muscle. So, and that will, that will smooth everything out and give, you know, extra surface area. Right. Um, so, so I've got the, the gut thing happening and one of the problems that people face is they'll, they'll look at a problem area and they'll say, okay, well, I've got, for example, I've got a, a belly and I want to get rid of the belly. Therefore I should do lots and lots of sit-ups. The sit-ups will work the abs and that will, that will magic, right? But that's wrong. That's literally technically wrong. Okay. Because, um, what you'll do is for a man, a man can do that and man can actually improve the musculature. And so he'll get better definition, assuming that he's below that critical threshold, whatever it is for him, where if the fat on the outside of the muscle, uh, where that, that fat isn't there yet or isn't bad. Um, so a man can do a bunch of sit-ups and get good, good ish definition for abs, but the belly won't go anywhere because the two ideas of targeted effort. So targeted muscle improvement is different from the idea of weight loss fat reduction. So, uh, it is a general diet, general overall activity. It's a kind of a calorie issue to get rid of belly fat. It's not a sit up issue. And this is, this is hard to get through to people's heads where the fact that you are using the muscles in that area doesn't necessarily make the muscles in that area look better doesn't make that region smaller. doesn't use localized fat, for example, because that's, I think that's something that a lot of people still 
believe. So you do sit-ups, burns calories, and it burns calories from the fat in that area. None of which is actually, that's not how any of it works. Just because you're working out doesn't mean, it does mean that you're using calories because you have to use calories to move, to perform work. But that doesn't mean that you're using calories from fat ever during any exercise at all, ever. The state that you have to be in in order to begin pulling calories out of fat um, is not uh, is not effort related. It's not work related. So you can have a brutal, brutal workout every day and not be pulling energy out of fat because your body will prefer to use energy out of its regular mechanisms. So you, you work out in the afternoon, your body's going to prefer to get the calories out of what you've been consuming for breakfast and for lunch. And for you to, to eat, to consume through that and get into the calories from fat, um, you, you do literally have to exhaust your body into the kind of desperation to reach for the freezer food to get stuff out of fat. The fridge freezer model is something that I was, I kind of knew about. I think a lot of people kind of understand this, um, but it's been described. There's a YouTube video that I'm not going to look up right now, but uh, fridge freezer, if you go and research that stuff, it is possible for you to bump into a video that talks about diet and weight loss and the fridge freezer, which is, you can think of the fridge being stuff that's easy for your body to get. So it might not be free floating your blood, but it's, it's really easy to get to. And the freezer is fat. And if your goal is to get stuff from the freezer, um, you would have to have nothing in the, in the fridge, which is pretty brutal, or you'd have to have a different delivery mechanism, delivery system for energy that, that geared itself towards fat because there's no fridge at all. Just it's obsolete. It's not because you've burned through because what you do when you burn through your fridge, your, your day's worth of calorie intake, let's say, is you'll get tired. You'll get tired and your body will use less, um, less calories before it starts pulling from fat stores. And that's going to be, that kills a lot of people for energy in terms of what they motivation and energy for actually working out. So things kind of get really, really tough. Um, so the trick is to bypass the entire fridge concept. And this is where a ketogenic diet comes in. And I know that there's a lot of hype about keto and like, for example, um, there's the lion diet, but you don't have to go to any of that. One of the, I can't call it tried and true, but one of the well-established, reasonably popular keto diets is Atkins. And the Atkins is, a, it takes, it is not a diet at its face. Okay, so you don't go from you right now to an Atkins diet. That's not how it works. You go from you right now through several phases. And the Atkins diet has a kind of program of 
it it depends, right? But I've heard a good 12 weeks with certain stages of you changing your diet to actually get into uh, a, a state at the end of it. And that is the actual Atkins diet right at the end. So it's not going from you to that is the equivalent of a crash diet. And it's never a good idea just to do what I do and just change your diet and see what happens. Because usually um, you can even do, your body might do the opposite of what you expect for all you know. Um, you kind of need to ease into a lot of stuff. And part of that is psychology and getting rid of things like cravings. You'd be really surprised if you start cutting out sugar from your diet, carrots are sweet. And it's not a joke that like a lot of our, like fruit, fruit is actually, re, fruit is awesome once you've stopped eating like uh, potato chips, for example, will have sugar on them depending on, uh, depending on what you get. Uh, even if it's an artificial sweetener, that's still the experience of sweetness that kind of psychologically trains you. And nudging your way up through your regular diet and just kind of like eating through your grocery stores until your pantry doesn't have entire classes of food anymore. Okay, so I was talking about, about the fridge freezer concept and getting your body to consume fat. And one of the ways is by having nothing in your body's fridge anymore. And the keto diet does that. It does that in a really, um, for most people, including dietitians, it's a surprising thing because your body doesn't necessarily need to have, okay, let, I'm not going to say you, I'm going to say there are humans who for centuries or millennia don't have um, insulin as part of their their body's mechanics. Their body doesn't produce insulin because it doesn't need to produce insulin because their body doesn't, because they do not have the materials in their diet that would need insulin to uh, you know, begin the process to extract energy. And that's because their diet consists solely of, of the well, their diet is ketogenic. So their diet is made up of, of no sugar and no carbohydrates whatsoever. And in the cases of, of the two people that I'm thinking of, the, the two peoples, call them ethnicities if you like, um, they don't eat vegetables either because they both live in permafrost regions. Um, or very, or mostly permafrost. So one is in the north of Canada, uh, called the Inuit, where they live in igloos, they live in permafrost, snow everywhere. They have, their primary source of food is from whales and seals. And so they eat, um, they eat flesh and fat. And that's it. They don't, there's no vegetables anywhere, right? There's no grain there's no fruit, there's nothing else, and they're not dead. Okay, so there are humans that do that that aren't dead. The next are the Sami, and they are 
the they're in the north of the Nordic regions in that area. So you're looking at northwestern Europe, and they are um, they herd reindeer, and that's all they eat. And I don't know if they have touches of anything else because the reindeer obviously they do they do eat plants <laughs> they themselves do eat plants and so uh there is access to planty stuff for the sami as well i just don't think they eat any of it um they don't grow anything themselves for example they don't trade for anything and again they've been doing this for oh, for we don't know how long they don't know they don't have a written history or anything like that it is older than writing for them to to do that i don't know if their language even has a written form um, and so there are humans who, who have survived like that for forever. That does not mean that an everyday person can do that. There have been people, I know that there was one guy and I, I'm not going to look him up because I don't know specifically who actually went and lived for, it was either six months or a year with the Inuit just to live like them. And, uh, he didn't die. Now that doesn't mean that it's a good idea to either eat like that or live with them. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's possible for you to go from, from a healthy version in your society to that. And it doesn't mean that you can go from your terrible version to that. Uh, it doesn't mean that you'll improve doing that, right? So it doesn't, doesn't mean you'll survive. So there's a lot of uncomfortable conversation that has to happen over whether or not it's a good idea maybe being born into that culture and living like that is fine for those people but an ad, an adult from outside of that culture doing that might never you might not you might not have the long healthy lifestyle that they would have we don't know any of that stuff however we do know a lot about the science the science is real good on eating low, like no sugar, so no simple sugar whatsoever, no carbs, so no complex, no simple carbohydrates of any sort, and next to no vegetables. Um, and you live. And there are people that do that right now, and they're not dead. And they get blood work done, and their blood work is fine. And they may have had issues that have physiological or allergic whatever issues that have pushed them towards this is an extreme push them towards this extreme and they're not and they're better they're better than they were uh, they feel better than they were right doesn't necessarily mean they're going to live as long as uh, like a healthy person without their issues in the first place um, it doesn't mean that they would like we don't know there's a lot of stuff we don't know so and subjecting an everyday overweight but healthy person to a diet like that a trans a fundamentally biologically transformative diet like that who knows however there's a whole lot of stuff we know about um our non-ketogenic everyday person from previous generations of humans uh, before we had candy bars right which is we know about we know about hunger, we know about fasting, uh, we know about we know that the the three meals a day thing that's that's an invention. 
that's an invention just like childhood is an invention it's it's not an actual natural normal thing in reality the the guarantees of uh, of the like the manufactured life of these things the timing the scheduling that's not reality and you yourself even though you may not be an inuit or a sami are still in a culture that came from a history of humans surviving perfectly well with other things that happen so for example there's the phrase don't spoil your appetite and when's the last time you were hungry before you ate like actually hungry some people aren't hungry when they eat they just eat because it's time to eat and if they get hungry they snack so they'll go through their day and they won't really experience hunger and things like you'll hear all kinds of stuff right so for example um the food pyramid and i know in the united states they use that in canada they use that and the general agreement is you have like your base is carbohydrates all right and it goes up to vegetables and meat at the top and you throw your dairy in and whatever the heck else your your little triangle looks like and that's exactly opposite to how humans have normally lived which is hunting hunting gathering which is the the base of where humans came from and um then farming and then uh, stuff that is seasonal so your fruit year-round fruit is ridiculous it's not a thing and a whole lot of things that people eat are not year-round and it's 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 not necessarily true that the best way for you to eat is the way that humans used to eat because it may well be that you are way better off eating the fullness of what's possible for humanity to achieve now which is utterly impossible earlier so like having apples all year round was just not a thing um and so who's to say that you shouldn't eat apples all year round because now that we can maybe that was the that is the best thing to do there's a lot of stuff like that where it is not necessarily knowable however fasting fasting is really interesting as is all kinds of weird calorie restriction stuff and the notion of not eating but not going hungry is something that people do and people will swear by and people will use as a uh, as a kind of it, it's it's weird it's like your the human body is really incredibly hardy and people act in a certain way and are averse to not having the comforts that are around us all the time it's one thing for for a dieter to say well i'm not going to eat dessert anymore but it's another thing entirely for a person to choose to not eat for two weeks straight even though they're surrounded by food that's that's convenient and even quote-unquote healthy to one degree or another and knowing that it, it life will suck for a few days as a start um 
and I fasted for I fasted for 24 hours and that's not comfortable right wait was the fasting just because I imagine you do it for drawing doing blood? that for a few days um I did blood work a couple of times and the first time I was told to fast for 24 hours and the second time I thought I needed to but I I turns out I didn't so I I just suffered for no reason <laughs> I got there and I actually asked, and they're like, "No, no, you you didn't need to," because uh, they were doing like blood sugary stuff or whatever the heck from the first one, you know, checking for diabetes and all that fun stuff. Um, and apparently, so I, I fasted before, and I've also switched diets to be beef only, which is apparently a little bit different than keto only. Um. And I've explored with all that kind of stuff, and uh, not you're not going, you're definitely not going to die if you eat nothing for potentially a long time. And I'll have to get into that because it's actually not true. Um, and you're certainly not going to die if you eat badly for a few days or nothing at all for a few days. But I do before anybody does anything dumb about fasting, because that has to be addressed, because people don't understand fasting. Fasting is not not eating anything. It's more than that. It's not eating some stuff. It's, it still is not eating, but what happens is, so you still need calories to live, right? To live, let alone move, okay? But, so if you fast, what happens is your body will eventually consume all of the sugars that are that are in it, all the simple stuff that it can get at until the fridge runs dry and it has to reach for the fats. And then it switches over to the keto keto state where it starts there's another energy mechanism where fat is the source. If you if you eat fat, like if you the the Sami or the Inuit and you switch to a diet like theirs, your body will also take that from the outside. So it'll grab it from the inside, from your own fat stores, and from the outside from what you're eating. If you don't get anything from the outside, all it has is what's inside. It reaches for two things. It reaches for fats and it reaches for protein. And if it reaches for your protein, you're gonna die. So that that's what kills you. If you just don't eat, that's what's gonna kill you. Because you'll have like multiple organ failure just bad things happen so you can't starve to death that's a thing <laughs> humans have been doing that for a long time and so if you fast you're gonna die okay so one of the the curious things about about fasting is um if you this is going to sound wrong but I swear there's science behind this. I just don't understand it well enough to, to repeat it rote. So I'll, I'll describe some of it. So if you, if your body no longer has, let's just blanket say it has no insulin in it anymore because you've consumed everything that needs insulin and insulin is worthless. So your body just stops making it and it, it flips into a, a ketogenic diet in between your body's freaking out. So you get something called a keto headache, why most people call it that. So life's going to suck for a little bit while your body goes, well, I don't understand what to do. And then it, it figures, it switches into this other type 
it's this technically more efficient type of of system and it starts pulling fats out that's not good enough because it starts reaching for other stuff too and the other stuff happens to be it happens to be really easy to get to break down protein um which is why if you fast or if you have a keto diet you actually need to work out on purpose and it's not that easy but you work out because when you work out you create human growth hormones that's the stuff that'll make your muscle grow bigger when you work out but the advantage is when that that hormone is in your body your that actually is and that 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 is what is consumed before muscle so your body will prefer will grab fat and that and will when you work out you will actually be protecting your muscle from being consumed by this mechanism so if you just if you laze around and don't eat you'll die and that's why you die but if you have comfortable long walks if and i'll get into further then you have protected your muscles your organs and so your body will just use fat and that but there's two other things to think about so one is you you produce human growth hormones and and anybody that's doing like bodybuilding and some serious exercise understands you got to have the pain to shred your muscle to have the growth hormones to have everything heal up and get bigger afterwards that's not what you want to do you want to do enough to have the growth hormones be there you don't necessarily want to shred and damage your muscle but you do really want the hormones. But there's another thing to think about that is stress. And this is why most people shouldn't fast. And this is why most people shouldn't get on the keto diet is the stress hormone. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head. Ah, I cannot remember, <laughs> but it's pr produced under anxiety and all this other stuff. So it is literally nicknamed the stress hormone. Oh man, I'm just going to look that up real quick. What is it called? Cortisol. That's right. Okay. So if your body has cortisol in it, that material specifically messes with essentially the efficiency of all of this. So life's going to suck. You're not going to have decent energy if you've got stress in you which is everybody all the time because that's what life is so eliminating stress by chilling out by having a straightforward lifestyle by whatever psychological tricks whatever actual environmental tricks reduction in cortisol is absolutely important absolutely critical and the other is you act is if you work out you produce cortisol Okay, so, so, so life sucks. So, what you need to do is you need to produce as much human growth hormone as possible while not producing as while producing as little cortisol as possible. And there is only one way of doing that, with one big caveat, which is you pursue. You can't like go for jogs. You can't go hiking. You can't can't like do the the little just like low rep workouts none of that stuff because those efforts 
sustained just produce more and more cortisol over that sustained length of time even though it produces more and more human growth hormone over that sustained length of time what you really want to do is call HIIT um high intensity interval training and it is um it it will destroy you it's it's 15 minutes of hell and it is it is meant to be the most intense brutal terrifying stuff packed in as short a period of time as possible and it it obliterates everything about you until you're just one ex exhausted lump and so it requires a huge amount of of psychological dedication um, so it's not for everybody you're like right away it's not for everybody so the, this is all of this train of thought is all manner of not for everybody and because it's in such a period of time it that produces a lot of growth hormone but it only produces that length of time of cortisol not a whole lot of intensity so it's actually a good balance of a huge amount of human growth hormone and not much cortisol and the thing about human growth hormone is it sticks around in the body for maybe two three days if you do hiit so theoretically speaking um and in practice for a lot of people is if there's a high intensity interval training every two to three days that's 15 minutes every two to three days while having a low stress lifestyle like good luck with that um the combination of these things produces enough of the growth hormone that it protects the musculature and you're getting a good workout so you're actually being in reasonable shape even though it's not quite you know hiit twice a day every day is maybe what some people might do right or more than that if you're a movie star you're getting fit for playing batman or whatever the heck people do some insane stuff you do hiit but for an hour and a half every single well three times a day four times a day that just the the amount of effort necessary to go from nothing to completely ripped in six weeks i've seen it it's an, it's ridiculous so an actual proper keto diet involves a tailored diet with no sugar no carbs which is really hard not necessarily any veggies but you probably need it you might need supplementation as well just to be safe and again that's not for everybody because who knows if an everyday human being can work like somebody who's from a culture that's always been like that who's born and raised like that then it has to be somebody who um can be low stress and do the hiit and the thing about doing the hiit is you have to be able to you have to already have a body that can handle 15 minutes of hell which if you are really fat it's not you because you're going to wreck your joints because it's it's a brutal amount of work so your knees aren't going to be able to handle it for example so it kind of it kind of sucks and a lot of people have a like just being overweight and having the psychology of it and dealing with all this is stressful so there's your cortisol so it's like there are a lot of people who swear by it who've done it for a long time and maybe they just they they found their success, found the groove, calmed down. They could have they found their self-esteem. The the diet was easy enough for them to get into. Like they still enjoy life, even though eating is kind of a not not pleasurable like it was anymore. I I don't find that to be true because I love 
all kinds of flavors of beef jerky, for example. Um, but you know, you don't eat cake anymore. Uh, maybe they and and they were healthy enough, young enough that they could do the workouts and and they, they, the long, comfortable walks that are necessary for good life is something they were already doing. And right, so, so it's absolutely not for for everybody. So it really is a fad that could do serious harm to the wrong sort of person who doesn't understand. For example, you it's not just a diet. You actually have to do the correct amount of exercise. You actually have to have a low stress life and these are the things that a lot of people they'll just see before and after pictures and somebody saying you know i had x number of calories and i eat keto and this is me six years later or whatever the heck you go i want to do that too but that infographic doesn't tell you the rest of the stuff that needs to happen or you die um this is yeah i can't stress it enough um it's really yeah so this is this is not this was not a part of the research from my original like health exercise program that I started doing in like 2001 started writing not following I, I was doing some of it by instinct and just recording recording it like a diary like a journal as I was doing it uh, then I kind of forgot about it <laughs> lost it in notes um, this diet thing was not part of that research it's just very, very recent because it was this big fat, <laughs> no pun intended, big fat trend. Um, and, and it's it's something I looked into often enough, deep enough to actually get some actual for realsies science. Um, and enough of the science is indisputable that that people could piece the the stuff together that there's no more the poo-pooing of the mainstream like dietitian stuff they they no longer have the the smug the, that's all just a bunch of made up fat it's no there's there is no absolute hard science behind it not just anecdotal people that happen to have survived this this stuff um who Oh yeah, there's this institute in Russia, and that's how they just they cure cure people, and there are people that had cancer, and that, and no, it's none of that. It's actually people taking a look at the actual uh, biochemistry of it and studying humans, and actually understanding how all these parts of the the energy delivery mechanisms work, and and by the way, we've got the Sami and the Inuit, and they're not dead. So, like some humans can do it, and but it's not for everyone. Definitely not for everyone. So I would say talk to your doctor, um, but I would also say do a stupid amount of research because your doctor probably doesn't know, probably isn't on the cutting edge of bioscience. Um, and the problem is this is not something you kind of dabble with because you're you're not going to get results just by trying this for. Well, if you're going to talk to anyone, talk to a specialist because your gen because your doctor, a GP, is a general practitioner. He knows a bunch of things, but not specifically yeah. certain things. Yeah. yeah, like your doctor, what what your family doctor has expertise in is looking stuff up really quick, and you know, like not telling you that they're looking stuff like when they're they're just typing in their records. They're actually looking through a database to figure out what the hell, what the, what they're supposed to be saying. Um, that not only is your family doctor not going to know anything about anything, because I mean your family doctor might still be using the 
the the the the food pyramid which is just this weird debunked pseudoscience stuff from 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 farms that said well we need to sell more wheat so wheat's really important um your your family doctor if you talk to a dietitian as a person who specializes in this stuff that person's probably not gonna gonna know a damn thing in most places a dietitian isn't like a real thing not really in canada and maybe it varies per province but i do know in at least in the when i've looked at it uh it does have to have certification but it doesn't mean that there's hard science behind it and it doesn't mean that these people are up to date i did talk to one woman and she's a dietitian and she doesn't know she doesn't know any of this she'll tell you all about cholesterol like she's a real expert i i kind of vaguely understand cholesterol now so yeah i guess but will she understand anything about what i just talked about other than like she'll she'll express concern over crash dieting because she'll know about that stuff but she won't know about the biochemistry of how this stuff works um she will not un she will not have even heard of the fridge freezer concept and uh, she won't know about uh, by the way if you if you eat a paleo diet it, it eliminates the need for insulin it completely eliminates the problems of type 2 diabetes only type 2 not type 1 it's it's just gone it, it doesn't cure it because if you stop that diet the type 2 diabetes just comes back so it doesn't let you eat cake um but you don't need insulin anymore i would still have insulin on you and all that kind of stuff but if you want to save if you're american and you want to save money because you're type 2 diabetic and insulin costs money change your diet um maybe your diet will cost more than you might think but believe it or not your junk food probably costs a lot so if you stop eating the sugary stuff you're probably going to save a lot of money that way as well as not needing well you should have insulin because it will save your life if you screw something up right you, you still need to test your blood and all this kind of stuff but you can actually just save money doing eating better strangely enough but i um i mean some people just aren't willing to do that they'd rather spend the money on insulin and still eat cake which is fine and yeah, that's which is tappers off I mean, fully with all the dis hmm? well, I mean, it's, it's 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 you know live fast die young kind of thing that's fine i mean if insulin empowers a person to live the life they want to live happily so be it but if it's like just a price thing that's a cost thing and i say i say american because man the, the prices for some of the stuff in the united states are absolutely outrageous like they'll they people diabetics have to go through some weird tricks and say certain things you know they're like oh if you if you say this you can get insulin from walmart and you can get it and it's this it's this price and um i don't why well, I, I may as well address that right now don't do that kind of stuff without understanding because insulin is not insulin is not insulin and in the united states they have like classes of insulin and some people require a certain some people have died because they've taken the wrong insulin because they were trying to save money um 
and and you I mean you might go haha stupid american um which is really easy for canadians to do but it's because they didn't understand that the brand and the names of on their insulin really did mean something and they're they are they are their biology is tied to a needing a certain quality or or intensity of insulin however it works and i can't advise on that because i'm not a diabetic and i'm not american and i don't know the the industry but but yeah eating like paleo is the is the diet that people point at and i don't know enough about that to talk about it but it's a it's a keto diet as well um, and switching to something like that because it literally your body doesn't like your body doesn't produce insulin because insulin isn't good for anything anymore because nothing in your body insulin wouldn't do anything in your body because there's nothing for insulin to process so your body just goes eh, and doesn't produce it anymore and you don't die because it does this other stuff and that other stuff is easier for your body to do so it's real happy but it's it's lazy as soon as you introduce sugar again it goes it just drops everything it flushes your system you eat a single like mint in, in you eat for some people it's more than 25 carbs a day it's about is about the break point i think there's a certain number of carbs in a meal in a sitting so if you if you decide to eat a slice of pie one day your body just flushes everything associated with the other the other your superior primordial energy system just latches on to the traditional one that uses insulin um and then then you're essentially wrecked for a few days because you might be dumb enough to to only eat the keto stuff to continue only eating the keto stuff and now you're starved of all the rest of the stuff that your body really does need now that it's switched to the insulin based stuff you need the rest of a good balanced diet and your veggies and all you you need all of that whereas on a keto diet for some reason you don't die even though you're missing fundamental um vitamins like if right now your diet excluded vitamin c you're dead if it's excluding vitamin you know etc that's why we describe them as vitamins vital um exclude any of them and you're dead it might be slow it might be a slow death uh, but you will die but in a keto diet that is absent of some of those things you'll live so it's weird so you'd have to it's all or nothing you, if you if you're keto then whatever is in the food you eat is whatever your body needs and it literally doesn't need all this other stuff that we know the body needs but as soon as you introduce like too many carbs some sugar whatever the heck your body switches over to this new thing you better have the rest of that uh, balanced diet like right away or you're the equivalent of fasting for the next until your body figures its stuff out again you're the equivalent of fasting for three days your body is just really messed up so what some people do is they do keto during the week and then they eat regular on the weekends and then they go keto again but um that's insanity um i would never recommend that uh, because it takes time for your body to to go keto 
So you're kind of like wrecking yourself for your Monday, Tuesday, maybe Thursday, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You're getting the benefit for a couple of days. So it's kind of like this brutal seesaw. I might, I might extend it for like three weeks of keto and then a weekend of whatever the heck, or just, just know what's going on so that you can eat whatever you want to eat. Take a lot of vitamins and, and have your birthday cake. And then just know that you're going to be a little messed up for a few days, the keto headache. And then, uh, yeah, are we, uh, are we out of time again? Yeah, it's just gonna say keep going, and then we'll cut it there. But sure, if you want to notice the time now. What I don't know. <laughs> I might like twenty minutes late. Uh. I need a. I need like. You're a like table half an hour late. <laughs> okay, well, I could have stopped earlier, probably. <laughs> um. So, uh, I mean, we can skip this break. Um. Okay, so I did have another note. To, so that was me just the word weight <laughs> me rambling on about that stuff um i i mean i only have one other thing to talk about before we just hit random on wikipedia which mean... which would be terrible um which is for some reason my computer has been claiming that it's it's getting ready real soon now one of these days uh, anytime now, there's going to be a, a May 2020 Windows update. I'm like, wait, it's 2020, so I know we're in clown world, but I know it's not May anymore. <laughs> it's been a little while. Why? What's going on? Because I, I used to be part of the Windows Insider thing, but in order to be part of the Windows Insider thing, you've got to set yourself up to your you set your installation of Windows up to be really creepy and report a lot of disturbing stuff to microsoft so i i tell windows to pretend that it's not doing that because i would that makes me feel better uh because if 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 it does explicitly do that then it's reporting usage things like that um so i i recused myself of the the program i'm, I'm probably using the word wrong um and so there might be some leftover stuff in my setup somewhere where my system thinks that I ought to have been eligible for some trial of something or other, and it's kind of holding back. So there might be some feature update because there's some actual features that are, it's hard to get real update documentation. And I've complained to them um, whenever there's an actual feature change in Windows. So there's no, so in regular software, in like the open source software world, for example, and basically anywhere, if they want to sell you a new version, they give you a detailed list of bullet points of the things that they've added, the things that they fixed, right? In open source, they just call it a change log. You'll see this if you use something like Discord, where every, it updates every other day, and occasionally it'll brag about how many cool things it's done. And... Windows doesn't do a good job of doing that, but there's some really, there's some stuff that gets added in occasionally. Like you have, there's a, I think it's Windows, Windows print screen does, nope. Aha, nope. It's high con, what? 
would you like to turn on high contrast? No, well, it wasn't that combination of stuff. Um, but, and of course, I can't demonstrate it. Or you can't get it to work. Okay, well, whatever. So there's actually some new screenshotting, screen clipping tools that got put in to, to specify windows and draw arrows, uh, draw areas and stuff like that. Is this the stuff that was cooked into um, OS 10 from like 2007 or something? So <laughs> Microsoft is getting around to it just now. But knowing that that stuff gets put in is... And you have to read through their their notes, and it's not obvious even how to get to that stuff. So I was looking at this this new feature, this May twenty twenty update. And it's like a media update, so it makes updates to the the quote unquote apps. I don't know why they're calling them apps. So the soft, the photo software, and the video software, and all this kind of stuff. And it's just a lot of it is just garbage, but some of it is kind of kind of neat um i still think windows is a toy i came from using linux full-time insisting on it doing it the hard way um to using windows just as kind of my virtual machine host and i use it for playing games just so i don't have to even though more and more video games are being released on linux natively thanks to the vulcan engine um and being fully capable, like 100% fully capable. Um, even though that's happening, I'm, I'm not going to be using, I'm going to still use Windows um, full-time as my host and just for virtual using VirtualBox. And there's a seamless mode where I can actually drag around Linux GUI applications in Windows and have them like be regular Windows applications. Alt tabbing doesn't work properly because reasons, but, but it works well enough doing this. I've got two monitors, so I just have like my right hand side tends to be Linux most of the time. It's easier than dual booting and it lets me do fancy Linuxy stuff while dealing with Windowsy stuff. Um, and I like that. And I brought that up because the Microsoft introduced something called a Windows subsystem for Linux, which is a Linux subsystem for Windows. And uh, they are soon going to be redoing it. I already use it. It's kind of just, it's just a toy. I don't know why I even have it because I've got virtual machines, but I don't need a virtual machine. I can just, I tied a hotkey to, to open up a terminal window. Uh, so I don't even need a virtual machine to have access to a decent enough Linux and with a, because I've talked about this before. So um, I've got another tool called XLaunch and XLaunch is an unofficial tool that lets me run Linux GUI applications within Windows subsystem for Linux. So I can run my favorite Linux text editor or I can run, I mean, theoretically speaking, I could have like a wet, a Firefox running in Windows subsystem for Linux. <laughs> Just if I want the, the Linux version of it for some reason. Anyhow, so that, that stuff all exists, but Microsoft is actually making a Windows native kernel. And I don't know what that really means. So it's a, 
a much tighter integrated kernel of Linux made custom for Windows, which, I mean, I don't know what they think they're doing because there's no point because it's not like any performance. It's a Linux shell with Linux console tools. They're, it can't, it can't be slow. It's Linux. So I don't know what, what they're trying to accomplish with that other than trying to eliminate, like push out the Linux native stuff and kind of own the kernel and probably knowing them not share their modifications because they're jerks. Okay. I've, I've said this before, but we have not published me ranting about Microsoft. I hate Microsoft. I hate you. I use windows, but it's, it's an abusive relationship. Hmm. Oh, published. Never mind. Published. Yes. I have talked about privately about my thoughts on Microsoft. Um, I reserve some of my strongest language for Microsoft. Uh, anyhow, so I'm I'm kind of out of stuff to talk about. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you do you really want to try Wikipedia Random? See what happens. What time is it even? <laughs> uh -huh, not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like I was going to quit minutes. like half an hour early. You want to quit? Quit now? Okay. Yeah, it so seems like a good still... ending stopping point. Okay, so let's do a small chatty teardown and keep recording. Okay. Well, stopping the stream. Thanks for joining. Might be some interest. Wait, what? Oh, I meant keep recording. Are you there? I am here. Do we stop? What is this? What What is the status of the stream? The stream and the recording are still ongoing. Good. Okay, because that's what I wanted. Okay, so not touching anything. So we still have what? I'm not touching anything then. Okay, so the 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 problem remains of how to have content in a podcast, and that is a a general um, problem that other podcasts have tackled. So one thing is this is more, I mean, should it be my thing? Should it be my problem to solve? Um, researching the, the other podcasts that are out there, popular or not, uh, to see how they format themselves, how they have content. Maybe the fact that we're on for this long is just too long, and that's a problem maybe it should only be a certain other length of time because that's what other people do i mean but, there's from what i can tell it's three factors and certain things if it's live or a recording then well, if it's live it somewhat matters if it's because there's a possibility you could have you could um interact with audiences if mm -hmm. if there are some um, and if it's recording, then at that point it doesn't matter because you could just listen to it at any time or stop or skip. What if you don't like it, or if it just it depends. Well, it depends on the topic, but some people, most people, might just listen to and gain insight into it. It's what I hope. So okay, it just so... depends. 
Okay, so I'm not sure if that helped me no, with my didn't. question. So my problem is having stuff to talk about. So having less time makes whatever we talk about, um, like we, we need less ideas. So learning from the successes and mistakes of others is one valuable thing. So examining other podcasts, preferably fairly long running podcasts, but it could be ones that are just over and seeing how they do things, how they format things. Um, I am not comfortable with just grabbing news topics, which is what a lot of people are doing. I think it's a, a, just a, I think it's just a toxic way of doing things because too many people are being drowned in every other person interpreting the the news of the day and it's just i sometimes there's enough of that right you could say from a perspective of competition is there's enough it's a saturated market you can say um so the the question is if that stuff is off the table then what else is there okay if it's we could not go through the headlines for for newspapers or for whatever the heck and chat about those things um, there's like pointless um hollywood star gossip but that's not my thing um so the the question is how is how is it possible to have enough things to talk about at every opportunity given that we have x amount of time and given that we talk uh twice a week right which, which is maybe every other podcast is only one hour long and once a week right and that's and we have that much more to cover like i can talk for forever as long as there's stuff to talk about so, so three categories of should talk about could talk about and if and filler well i don't care about necessarily categorizing it but what how would we how would we build a list so that i'm so i'm taking my little notepad i'm writing jotting down random ideas and so i mean i can talk about the raised bed thing um with the gardening stuff and other things that are happening in my life so long as that's actually interesting enough to talk about but and, and as long as there are no people popping in who are asking questions or this kind of stuff it, when we're self-generating ideas um when we're doing it all on our, our lonesome unprompted we need to be able to have I'm stuff might not pop into my head, right? Um, talking about my life could be boring or it could just be, I could run out of stuff to talk about because I've already talked about everything. And then I just be talking about what I've done since the previous show, which is not going to be you know, three hours of stuff. Right. <laughs> right? So, uh... so I mean, I could talk about my last months like that, but I can't talk about my last couple of days, every couple of days. 
um, that I will eventually be caught up. So, so the question is, where do you get material from? And for, for a fiction writer, I, I can do that for forever. As a, as a writer, I can do that for forever. But as a speaker, it's something else. Um, what I do, because I, I have done my own streaming, I paused my own streaming efforts for this, although I had taken a break for some time before this, is I would, I would read stuff. I, was, I would read stuff off, and if people popped in or something, I might chat about something, or the story might prompt me to talk about some element of the story. And that's it. I don't, I'm not going to run out because I've got however many pages, right? I just read for an hour or something and talk about it as I go. Especially reading fairy tales is the most comical thing because they're just awful in terms of, of literature. They're, they're not good. In terms of storytelling, they're terrible. I mean, they're comically terrible. Man. And so I can, I can do that, but that is my successes with that is very different from from this where i've just gotta you know, i need stuff i need i need actual stuff because i can't pull out a book and read about that and we can't pull a headlines and chat about that stuff necessarily and so i'm a little bit bothered so um topic generating websites um right so I mean, that's the problem. That's the problem is running out of steam. So uh, I think that is the biggest problem. So we have today is Wednesday. So we have a few days to figure this problem out by Sunday. And I mean, if we don't, then the show has to get shortened until we have, uh, we figure out a format, I think. So I'm, I do not know how to proceed. So what what I ask you is to get expertise or help me understand by by examining other podcasts and see how they do things and see if they have interesting things to talk about. And maybe by listening to them, we can be like <laughs> response audio. Some old podcast of somebody or other talking about something. And I could listen to that and get inspiration for talking about something. Maybe that's what I need to do is just listen, be listening to podcasts a few hours a day, which these days I listen to, I watch and listen to like instructional YouTube videos and stuff like that, like on how to garden. <laughs> but I can only talk about that so much. Um, so that's the only thing I can think of is listening to podcasts and, and riffing off of them and learning how they do things. Because I just don't know, because I don't listen to podcasts, which maybe I should be embarrassed about that. Um, I've ranted enough, and I guess that's our problem to solve before next show. And we're going to end it here, even though it's slightly early. I'm going to pick this up on Sunday. So you've got your teardown to, to get this to me. Yeah, I'm we'll going to stop the stream now. Okay. And then the recording...